President Biden and Ukraine's President Zelensky spoke yesterday and agreed to pursue both diplomacy and deterrence. In that Facebook post, President Zelensky saying that his government has been told that February 16th will be the day of a possible attack. And so he is declaring Wednesday a national unity day. Russia, though, still maintains that it has no plans to invade Ukraine, saying, quote, hysteria has reached its peak. Mm. Hysteria to come. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Right here on the broadcast. I got the feeling that something ain't right. You know what I mean? I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California on KFOI in Red Bluff and Redding, KKRN in Round Mountain, and KGOE in Eureka. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle. On KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, ColtSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thanks to uh, Mike Pence not having the courage to do the right thing, the L.A. Rams out here on Sunday defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20, to for the Rams' uh, first Super Bowl win during California franchise history with a clutch last-minute offensive drive. Desi Doyen, we're going to speak the next hour, uh, uh, 58 minutes, whatever it is. Nothing but L.A. Rams right here on the broadcast. <laughs> I know you don't mean that, but I'm. What, what does Mike Pence have to do with it? Nothing. You should okay. pay closer attention. Everyone <laughs> listening got it except for you because, as usual, you're not paying attention. Uh, other than uh, deciding that I am personally going to take a knee throughout today's broadcast, uh, just to see who I can drive crazy with that, uh, we probably won't be talking much about the Rams. But uh, congrats to Rams. Uh, you know, I don't have much to say about the game. It was a fun game, actually. SoFi Stadium looks really good on television, especially during a record February heat wave. Uh, But if you have anything you'd like to say about Sunday's Super Bowl, of course you are welcome to. We're going to try to open the phone lines here in a bit, although we got a lot of news uh, coverage uh, today with uh, some breaking stories within, as usual, within the past hour or so. But our phone number, write it down, 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. 
uh, for your thoughts on um, some other stuff uh, that I, I may also have a few opinions about. They may or may not be any better than yours, though. So 818-985-KPFK. I will say it was nice to have a game that at least felt a bit less politicized than we have been uh, experiencing in recent years. To me, it, it sort of felt like the old days for about three or four hours when all uh, when Americans sort of all came together to enjoy a football game. End of story. Nonetheless, I know there were some right-wingers who just could not stand the idea of a hip-hop halftime show, no matter how awesome it was. Uh, and yes, uh, even I made a Mike Pence joke that Desi didn't understand to ruin all of the nonpartisan fun. But hey, it's America, baby. Get used to it. Uh, and in comparison to some of the stuff that is going on elsewhere today, which I hope you may also want to talk about in a bit at 818-985-5735, uh, a few hours of football even for those of us who aren't huge football fans, was actually a nice respite on Sunday, if only for a few blissful hours. As noted, there has been some breaking news in the past uh, hour or so. We'll see if I can get to it just in case I don't. Let me sort of wave at it here. The judge in Sarah Palin's defamation suit against The New York Times says that he plans to dismiss the case, that she did not uh, uh, prove absolute malice by The New York Times. I can go into those details maybe later. Um, but uh, her um, sort of doppelganger, I don't know, the person who replaced her in right-wing media, Donald Trump, is also having bad luck in court today. Apparently his... Um, his uh, financial firm, Mazars USA, has cut ties with Donald Trump and has retracted the financial statements that they had otherwise signed on to for about 10 years, saying they can no longer sign on to those faulty uh, financial statements. So maybe more on that in a bit. And if you'd like to talk about it, as well, 818-985-KPFK. But uh, as far as things going on elsewhere... But very much affecting the U.S. today, North America's busiest trade link reopened for traffic late on Sunday evening, ending a six-day blockade, according to the Canadian Border Services Agency. That after Canadian police cleared the protesters fighting to end COVID-19 restrictions. Canadian police made several arrests on Sunday and cleared protesters and vehicles that had occupied the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor, Ontario, connecting Ontario to Detroit after a court order on Friday. The blockade had choked the supply chain for Detroit's car makers, forcing Ford, General Motors, Toyota to temporarily cut production, according to Reuters. The bridge that had been shut down by the protest carries about $360 million a day in two-way cargoes. That is 25 percent of all of the value of all U.S.-Canada trade uh, goods trade. 20 to 30 arrests had been made while clearing the bridge. Police seized uh, vehicles within the demonstration area. Police stepped up their presence on Sunday with more than 50 vehicles, cruisers, buses, and an armored car as the number of protesters dropped to around 45 from roughly 100 uh, on Saturday in Ottawa. Meanwhile, the larger protests continue up in Canada. But as of Sunday, counter protests have protesters uh, have started blocking vehicles themselves who were trying to join the protests with 
uh, local residents losing patience over the three-week-old demonstrations in Canada where COVID-19 restrictions are both much more severe than they are here in the U.S. and where deaths from the deadly disease are about one-third of what they are here in the U.S., In the western Canadian province of British Columbia, the Pacific Highway border crossing into Washington state was temporarily closed on Sunday afternoon for a second day by a group of about 200 protesters. According to Reuters, uh, a photographer who was on the scene, a small group of protesters gathered on the U.S. side of the border. Though I don't know how small that would have been if the uh, protest on the other side of the border was just about 200 people blocking uh, incoming vehicles. Uh, anyway, the so-called Freedom Convoy protest started in the national capital of Ottawa by Canadian truckers opposing a vaccinate or quarantine mandate for cross-border drivers, even as some 90 percent of drivers have already been vaccinated. The uh, protest, at least the Canadian ones, the protest, which has largely shut down the area around the government buildings in the capital of Ottawa uh, with huge semi trucks. That protest is now in its third week, but it has now morphed into a rallying point against broader COVID-19 curbs and against a carbon tax. As long as you're there, as long as you're protesting. Sure. Why not? Uh, And a whole bunch of other issues with uh, people joining in cars and pickup trucks and farm vehicles. Oddly enough, Trump flags, swastika flags, an American Confederate flags. They have all been seen at these protests, which now seem to be about much more than life-saving COVID vaccine mandates. And as you may have also heard, police have since placed barricades around a Canadian war memorial that protesters had reportedly urinated on, all of which I find, well, somewhat amusing in that these protests have been supported by Republicans and their right wing propaganda news outlets in this country, like Fox News. Yes, the very same folks who have been furious in past years when protests for actual civil rights issues in this country have had uh, any effect whatsoever on commerce, even for an hour. Oh, Fox News would be furious about that. Businesses, they couldn't. Starbucks had to shut down. I know. they. Ha- oh, somebody shut down a highway for a whole 30 minutes in Los Angeles. Oh, that's terrible. Right. Inconvenience. Yes. Oh, they, they hate that. They should round them all up, throw them in jail, says Fox News. Now they love these protests, even though they're shutting down uh, b- millions, tens of b- potentially billions of dollars in commerce. For weeks on end. And by the way, had any of those actual civil rights protesters in this country urinated on a war memorial? We my God, we would hear about that fact alone. And by the way, whether it was true or not, we would have heard about that fact alone dozens of times a day, day after day, week after month, month after month, year after year, I suspect, on outlets like Fox News. Such as it is, they apparently agree with whatever it is they're protesting about up in Canada. So on Fox News, they are giving them war to war. uh, I'm sorry, war to war. That's my next story. Wall to wall airtime uh, on their air, uh, which is, uh, you know, as they're cheering the protests on with hours and hours of free airtime on the Wingnut Network. Uh, one Ottawa resident at a counter 
protest in front of the city's police headquarters uh, said over the weekend, quote, we are fed up. We are tired. We want Ottawa to be boring again. In other developments on this story, AP is reporting this afternoon that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police said they have arrested 11 people at the blockaded border crossing uh, in Alberta, opposite of Montana, after learning of a cache of guns and ammunition. Police said a small group within the protest was said to have a, quote, willingness to use force against the police if any attempts were made to disrupt the blockade. Authorities seized 13 long guns, handguns, sets of body armor, a machete, a large quantity of ammunition, and high-capacity magazines. Again, imagine if any of that was found at a real civil rights protest here in the U.S. Are you still supporting them anyway, Fox? And Newsmax and OAN and all the other wingnut channels? Of course they are. Even with the attacks on the economy and the urinating on war memorials and the threats of armed violence with a cache of weapons? Or are you now especially supporting it because of all of that? Late today, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoked an emergency law in Canada for the first time in 50 years that could allow him to use the nation's military to quell the anti-government protests. Canadian police have said that uh, the protests have been partly funded by U.S. supporters. Go figure. And Ontario froze funds donated uh, via one of the uh, U.S. platforms that was uh, they were using to raise money from this country. The estimated loss so far from the blockades to the auto industry alone could be as high as $850 million, according to IHS market data, which put the 2021 daily flow in vehicles and parts at $141 million a day. That is what had been being stopped, uh, at least in part, at the Ambassador Bridge, which is now open uh, in Windsor. Windsor City Mayor Drew Dilkin said in a tweet after cross-border traffic was reopened uh, to the city of Detroit, quote, today our national economic crisis at the Ambassador Bridge came to an end. So we haven't spoken a lot about these protests on this show, mostly because, A, I think they are dumb, uh, and but B, I have, of course, no problem with people protesting anything if they feel they need to protest, no matter how dumb. So, yeah, I support peaceful protest, period. I also know that it is necessary sometimes to get folks' attention to these protests by, you know, affecting commerce, which in the capitalist world that we live in seems to be the only thing short of violence that ever gets anyone's attention in this country. So, you know what? Uh, with that, I don't really know what to make of these protests. Therefore, we haven't covered them much. But you may have thoughts on these protests. And if so, Whatever they are, I welcome you to give me a call, 818-985-KPFK, though please know in advance, whenever you call into the broadcast, that I may—and Desi can tell you this because it's true for her as well—I may or may not agree with your thoughts. But just so you know, that's perfectly fine. I just want you to be prepared for that. 
Uh, and uh, in another story that we have not covered a great deal, also because in one sense I find it dumb, but also in this case it is very, very dangerous. That, of course, is the ongoing standoff on the Russian-Ukrainian border, where things seem to be getting worse by the hour. Emphasis on seem to be, whether they actually are or not, is difficult to tell. Um So I say seem because, in truth, I've been finding it very difficult to understand at all what is actually going on there and what is not going on there and which part of it is real versus which part of it is propaganda. And in this case, that may uh, mean propaganda from all sides involved. Here's the latest, at least as of this hour, as we go to uh, go to air. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said Monday that uh, his government has been told that Wednesday, February 16, will be, quote, the day of attack, unquote, when Russia invades Ukraine. That, according to NBC News uh, this afternoon, based on information that Zelensky uh, has uh, published to his Facebook page. The U.S. and its allies have repeatedly warned of an imminent invasion by Russia, which has stationed some 130,000 troops near Ukraine's borders to the north and the south and the east. Russia, meanwhile, has adamantly continued to deny that it is planning an invasion. Zelensky said in a statement, Posted on Facebook uh, without saying who provided the information, but I bet we can guess. He said, quote, we are told that February 16 will be the day of the attack. On Sunday, President Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, said an invasion by Russia could begin, quote, any day now. Also today, as CNN is reporting this afternoon, The U.S. is closing the U.S. embassy in Kiev and, quote, temporarily relocating the small number of remaining diplomatic personnel in the country to a city in western Ukraine, quote, due to the dramatic acceleration in the buildup of Russian forces. That uh, was announced by uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. On uh, on Monday, in a statement, Blinken said, I have ordered these measures for one reason, the safety of our staff. And we strongly urge any remaining U.S. citizens in Ukraine to leave the country immediately. These prudent precautions, he said, in no way undermine our support for our commitment to Ukraine. Our commitment to Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity is unwavering, he said. We also continue our sincere effort to reach a diplomatic solution. And we remain engaged with the Russian government following President Biden's call with President Putin over the weekend and uh, my his uh, discussion with Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov. The path for diplomacy, he said, remains available if Russia chooses to engage in good faith. We look forward to returning our staff to the embassy as soon as conditions permit, Blinken added. The uh, the move, uh, the moves, I should say, come come days after the U.S. ordered the vast majority of U.S. government employees to leave the country and announced that consular services at the U.S. embassy would be suspended as of Sunday. The State Department said this weekend it would keep a small consular presence in the western part of Ukraine for emergency services as needed. U.S. officials have repeatedly called on American citizens to leave Ukraine immediately. In recent days, warning that a Russian invasion could come at any moment, including as soon as this week. 
Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, now we have a specific date they are even offering at this point. Uh, that, of course, that was CNN. Now, earlier on Monday, Washington Post reported that uh, Russian President Putin had left the door open on Monday to further talks with Western leaders on his efforts to end NATO's open-door policy when his foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, said the uh, scope for dialogue was, quote, far from exhausted and called for intensified talks with Na- with uh, Washington and NATO. Putin met Lavrov in the Kremlin on Monday in what appeared to be a scripted moment on Russia's formal response to the rejection of its key security demands by Washington and NATO, including its demand that the alliance bar Ukraine from ever joining it. While the U.S. and NATO have yet to actually officially invite Ukraine to join, both have indicated that such a demand that Ukraine never be allowed to join the alliance, well, that's a non-starter in this standoff, so they say. Putin opposed, quote, the endless, in our opinion, and very dangerous expansion of NATO to the east, but uh, supported his foreign minister's uh, conclusion on a need to keep talking. That, according to RAA Novosti. Uh, The Russian media outlet Lavrov said the rejection of Russia's key security demands by Washington and NATO did not satisfy Moscow, but he added that there was room for further dialogue. But the talks with the U.S. and NATO, quote, now must be developed and intensified. Lavrov said, I've already said more than once that we warn against endless conversations on issues that need to be resolved today, but still probably being the head of the foreign ministry, he said, I must say there's there's always a chance. Well, glad to know it. Uh, The German chancellor, Olaf Scholz, he began a two day trip to Kiev and Moscow Uh, to try to de-escalate all of this, Uh, speaking at a joint news conference with uh, the the Ukrainian president, Zelensky. After talks in Kyiv, Schultz said that Russian military aggression against Ukraine would have, quote, serious political, economic and geostratic consequences for Russia. He said sanctions in the event of a Russian attack on Ukraine would be, quote, very far reaching and effective, unquote. But he did not specifically mention Nord Stream 2, Desi Doyen, the controversial pipeline between Russia and Germany that both Kiev and Washington have pressured Berlin to halt in the case of a Russian invasion. That despite Joe Biden saying just last week and I think he was speaking with, uh, yes. was it a joint conference with uh, Chancellor Schultz? It was a chancellor joint conference Schultz. with a new German chancellor, Olaf Schultz. Mm-hmm. And, and Biden said that if Russia does invade Ukraine, as in cross over the borders, is how he defined it, yeah. that the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, he said, this is a natural gas pipeline, mm-hmm. will not go forward. And and since then, you know, Germany has said, yes, we are in agreement on this, but they haven't explicitly said those words. So it's a bit There's confusing. There's a we're, we're agreement with the U.S. with, the US with NATO, yes. but they haven't said yes. We will shut down the pipeline. We, and we'll, and listen, yeah. it's a, it, it makes sense. Germany Germany is in winter right now, and they don't have necessarily enough natural gas supplies to continue heating their population in their cold country for more than I think it's either six to seven weeks. And so you know, there the United States and other NATO allies are trying to make sure that there is enough natural gas supplies from other countries that could be delivered to Europe in case the Nord Stream 2 pipeline is shut down. But 
The problem that we find here is that this kind of escalation of tensions is already raising energy prices for oil and natural gas, which I'm sure many people have noticed at the pump and on their natural gas bills at home. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, our, our bill on natural gas was through the roof over the past month. And if this invasion would occur, then that would be much, much, much more yep. expensive because it's going to cause a huge constriction in supply. And you know the oil companies, they love a war. Oh, yes, they do. Uh, weekend talks between President Biden and President Putin uh, and separate discussions between the Russian leader and his French counterpart, Emmanuel Macron, again failed to yield a diplomatic breakthrough. However, following months of military buildup, Russia on Thursday began 10 days of joint exercises with their ally Belarus, maneuvers that Washington, uh, Western officials fear could be preparations for Moscow to invade Ukraine. Russia, however, denies that it is planning an attack and has pledged that Russian troops will withdraw following the drills. Uh, according to a readout of the call between Joe Biden and Vladimir Zelensky on Sunday, Biden once again reiterated that the U.S. would respond, quote, swiftly and decisively to any attack. The White House said uh, through uh, sanctions and other measures designed to inflict severe economic penalties on Russia. But again, uh, the, the latest news as of this hour is Zelensky says he has been told by someone that Russia will launch an attack on Wednesday. And uh, separate reports elsewhere say that the U.S. is telling uh, its allies exactly that. So the claim about an invasion as early as Wednesday seems to be coming from the U.S. Why? Is it because the U.S. has actual intel on this? They've been claiming for the last several days that Putin had already made up, uh, made the decision that he will, in fact, invade. Whether that's true or not, of course, I have no way of knowing. And in fact, the U.S. has been describing an attack, warning about an attack on Ukraine as, quote, imminent for a number of weeks now with Ukraine. None too happy about that. Uh, as they attempt to uh, keep their citizenry calm, they have been decrying the psychological warfare that they see Russia already uh, uh, advancing with the huge military buildups pretty much on all sides of the country. But in fact, it's impossible, as I see it, to figure out what is going on here. I think no one knows. No one actually knows. Uh, you know, and I've wanted to bring on experts to discuss it. But in truth, I found that most of them sort of on all sides of this matter, uh, they're sort of just offering their opinions as well as far as what is going on, what they think might go on, whether they think Russia actually will invade Ukraine or not. And that often seems to be based, by the way, not unlike the Canadian trucker protests, uh, mostly based on which side of the political or ideological spectrum that you may come from, rather than any hard evidence of what is actually going on. I haven't gotten a lot of insight out of the various pundits and experts who are sharing their thoughts on this. Maybe you have, and you would like to share them with me, which is fine. We all have opinions, uh, of course, and so I welcome yours if you want to ring in on it, 818-985-5735, because to be frank, at this point, I don't think anybody knows anything about anything. I really don't. So your thoughts are as good as anyone's, and I would love to know what they are. 818-985-KPFK. Now, um, 
Josh Marshall at TPM has some thoughts on what seems to be going on here, at least in regard to the U.S. continually warning over and over again about an imminent attack on Ukraine, which seems somewhat worth noting here today what Josh has to say. This is a piece at Talking Points Memo over the weekend headlined, Why Does the U.S. Keep Highlighting the Imminence of a Russian Invasion? He writes, there has been a growing chorus of articles arguing that the Biden administration is trying to confront Russia on its own ground of information warfare. The key example is moving rapidly to declassify military intelligence about Russian moves to eliminate their potential element of surprise. The administration is trying to upend Russian tactics by continually revealing what they're about to do or what they are preparing to do in advance. But there is something else they are doing that is getting less direct attention, writes Josh. The U.S. keeps raising the alarm about the near certainty of an invasion or the imminence of an invasion, even as the Russians deny it. And the Ukrainians insist that the situation is not all that dire. Both the Russians and the Ukrainians have clear reasons for saying this, true or not. The Russians want operational surprise if they're going to invade. The Ukrainians believe the looming threat of invasion is itself a form of psychological warfare aimed at the Ukrainian people. And they have expressed at various points that the U.S. is doing the Russians' work for them with this litany of dire warnings. But the dire warnings look like their own form of information or psychological warfare, at least according to Josh Marshall. While constant threats of an invasion are a powerful weapon for Russia, an actual invasion is, of course, fraught with danger. Josh notes, I don't know if all of this is a bluff, but I do think Russia is leery about the risks of actually following through and invading Ukraine. By continually saying that an invasion is imminent, the U.S. is highlighting the fact that Russia keeps threatening but not acting, that they are all threats and no action. Rather than keeping everyone else on tenterhooks, they're looking more and more like they are bluffing or unwilling or unable to actually follow through on their threats. Putin himself seemed, seemed to allude to that earlier this month when he accused the U.S. of trying to goad Russia into invading. So Josh asks, could the U.S. actually force Russia's hand and make it harder for Russia to back down? He says, I doubt it, but it's a reasonable question. He said, what I do think they're doing is attempting to turn Russia's most effective weapon, the looming threat of military action, against them. Rather than keep the atmosphere of threat at a constant simmer, the U.S. keeps raising it to a fever pitch and then having the and then having uh, Russia actually not act. All of which makes me wonder and I'd love to hear from you on this, 818-985-KPFK. Uh, if the U.S. gambit here actually might be a way to give Russia an off-ramp, how? Well, we keep insisting. We, we've been doing this for weeks now, that they're going to invade at any moment, even as Russia continues to insist it has no such plans. And boy, wouldn't the U.S. look like warmongering idiots if Russia simply finished with its military exercises, cleaned up in Belarus, and then went home just as they had been promising the whole time. And look, the U.S. was wrong again. Now, I don't know if, 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 if any of that is too clever by half, uh, but I am starting to wonder. We're at the point where either Russia does invade 
which, as the U.S. and the EU and NATO have promised, will likely be devastating for them ultimately, at least economically, or Russia pulls its troops away from the border and, boy, that Joe Biden and the U.S. sure look like idiots for making a mountain out of a molehill again, don't they? But again, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody does. Well, maybe you do. If you do, 818-985-5735. Do you think that Russia is set to invade Ukraine? Is that the plan? If so, is that going to happen this week, as the U.S. seems to be saying louder and louder and louder for some reason? Or is this all some sort of dangerous 3D diplomatic chess militaristic chess with one of the world's largest nuclear powers. Actually, between two of the world's largest and most dangerous nuclear powers. 818-985-5735 if you'd like to talk about that or the uh, dumb so-called freedom convoy protests up in Canada or anything else on your mind, in fact. I'm happy to talk with you about anything over your public airwaves. 818-985-KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the broadcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation, or even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let's go right to the phones. Looks like a lot of you want to get in on uh, on this conversation. Let's go to Andrew in uh, in Hollywood. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the Bradcast. What's on your mind, sir? Is uh, do, is What the hell is going on in Russia, Ukraine? How much should we buy from what we're hearing from uh, U.S. sources that there's going to be a, uh, that the attack day is on Wednesday? Well, you know, I can't comment whether the attack's going to be on Wednesday. I can say this. I mean, I've worked in Russia for mm-hmm. a number of years. Yeah. And um, one thing that I think everyone doesn't necessarily understand, or maybe they do need to understand, is that Russia is a small nation, you know, 143 million population. Their population is declining by 1% per year. Their entire economy is 50% of their GDP comes from um, fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. And you know, they are on the decline in a way that I don't think a lot of Americans uh, understand. Um, and, and you know, we all understand that Putin is a dictator or, you know, a, a despot. 
-hmm. but he's hanging on to something that is uh, in free fall. And if, and if you try to think about his actions as some sort of like, you know, master geopolitical, um, you know, chess game, mm -hmm. it kind of belies the fact that the country is really kind of unstable. And if you if you were to go back and think about what is what does Kim Jong Un do after any sort of major American um, reshuffling in terms of like elections? Mm -hmm. Well, he goes out and he launches missiles to get attention. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there's, it isn't all that dissimilar what Putin is doing here. And so, you know, I don't know whether he's going to go into Ukraine. I think that the likelihood is 50-50 in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's already taken, you know, um, uh, a part of the a part of Ukraine and seemed to get away from it. But I but I think it's really important to recognize that we're not we may be dealing with a country that has vast nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. I don't think that he's crazy enough to use them. And so therefore, what we're really dealing with is a country that has absolutely no political or economic clout beyond what is a failed state, a losing population and a, and, you know, and a, and a petro um, uh, industry. Mm -hmm. And so the only way that he can sort of get a little bit of attention clout uh, is to behave like this. And for us to kind of, you know, we really need to recognize that we're dealing with a desperate economy so much as we're dealing with some sort of powerful, you know, nuclear state. And so uh, so in, in other words, uh, we could argue that what Putin is doing is not unlike what uh, uh, North Korea does. They're trying to basically test Joe Biden, test the West, test NATO, et cetera. Uh, and that he even Putin doesn't know whether he's actually going to uh, move in on Ukraine as you see it, Andrew. Well, I think it's more that he needs attention, and attention gets potential concessions. Uh -huh. um, you know, I do think that, you know, having worked with a number of Russian billionaires, the level, you know, once you start to get above the threshold, I mean, there's a number of Russian billionaires who have been sanctioned, and Putin is okay with that. There is a threshold by which you start to get to his... His, the people who actually make things happen for him, mm -hmm. who protect his money. Yep. Um, I, you know, if the if the Biden administration is actually willing to actually start to sanction those people, maybe go after the SWIFT system. Yep. Those are the sort of things that could seriously get his attention, which would weaken the people who make him keep him in power. I don't know whether they're going to get there. But I guess to answer your question is that, um, you know, he needs attention and he needs clout. He needs the ability to continue to maneuver economically, uh, and 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 this is a way of of sort of forcing the question on those issues. Well, he's certainly getting you attention. Know, again, Whether that's winning him clout, I don't know. Uh, Andrew, really appreciate appreciate your thoughts here. What you said, you worked in in Russia. Can you mention what it was you did? Well, I work for the one of the Russian billionaires uh, who owns a very large <laughs> Russian vodka brand and uh, runs consumer credit. I see. Yeah. And it's those billionaires uh, that are going to be the first one to sort of lose access to the U.S., lose access to their money, their U.S. bank accounts and so forth, uh, if Putin moves yeah, in. There's, two, there's, kind of, there's two levels of them. There's the ones like I work for who are true billionaires. Mm -hmm. And then there's this higher level of, of, of billionaires who are politically connected. And so the sanctions that have been out there in the past have worked for, have worked against the guys that I work for, which is it isn't fun, it isn't good, it's a pain. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other level of truly connected people who protect Putin's. And Putin is like mm -hmm. one of the, if not the richest man in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. His money is protected by a level uh, uh, of, of billionaires 
that the U.S. has never really gone after and sanctioned. And I think that's where uh, uh, Biden is talking about. These are yeah. the kind of people that truly start to hurt, uh, hurt Putin. It, My level of guys, very rich, not that important. <laughs> but the level that they're potentially focusing on now could be. I got it. Yeah. And that does sound like what uh, Biden is referring to. Andrew, really appreciate your call and your insight here. Uh, thanks much. Uh, and uh, please stay in touch sure. as this uh, mess moves forward. Greatly appreciate it. No problem. All right. Thanks, uh, for, thanks for your show. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Excellent call. Let's go to uh, Ingrid in Corona. No pressure, Ingrid, but that was a really good call from uh, from Andrew. Uh, welcome to the broadcast. What do you have for it? What, what's what? What are you thinking about all of this, Ingrid? I think this is all cray cray by rich people making us fight each other. But but first, I want to talk about the cray cray at the Canadian border. Okay. I just came back from uh, Blaine, Washington State, and that's like the the last city in the United States on the border with Canada and the United States. I was literally doing a building envelope project on the land port of entry there. You uh-huh. know, the little gateway between us and the Canadians. Right. And you know what I didn't see? What? When I was working there? Uh, angry white dudes. Okay? Most of the people that were truckers that I saw doing the honest labor of delivering equipment and materials back and forth between the United States and Canada were people of the uh, Sikh faith. There were a lot of Southeast mm. Asian people there. And they seem to be okay with adhering to pro, uh, pro, uh, COVID protocols. There wasn't a lot of, you didn't see any, I didn't see any protests or any angst. And I mean, I've been, I was up there for months. No one was angry. No one was mad. This all seems very manufactured. So you, so you did not see any protests at all at that, you were actually at that crossing? Yeah, I work every day at the land port of entry. Okay. And there wasn't any protesting. I'm just telling you, up until uh, a month ago, no one no one said, had anything. Right. No one was upset. Right. No well, one was upset. Well, to, and, and just to be fair, just to make the timing uh, clear here, the uh, protests in Ottawa began about, th- uh, we're now into the third week, uh, and they've only spread across the rest of Canada, and I think they sort of get smaller as you go west. They've only spread within the past uh, few days or week or so, so you might have missed it up there, Ingrid. I mean, you're, you're not su- suggesting it's being made up that there's uh, uh, people protesting at the border, are you? I'm telling you right now, uh, if if there was this much um, uh, un, uh, anxiety and anger about this, it yeah. would have been showing itself a long time ago. People would have been saying, I'm not going to wear my mask when I go into the land port of entry. I'm not going to wear my mask because they have to get out of their truck. Well, here's literally go into the buildings and interact with them. Yeah. None of that was happening a month ago. Yeah, None well, of that was happening a month ago. I got gotcha. you. No. Well, I hear. Oh, I know it's manufactured. I know it's someone's manufacturing and someone's trying to gin it up. And one of the things, one of the ways they've been doing it is, of course, if you have it, does, you know, it doesn't take that many semi trucks to get together to make it look like this is a huge problem. I mean, if you get, tw- you know, 20 semi trucks, you get 50 semi trucks on a road blocking a bridge. That is a huge problem. Nobody can get across. But the fact is, it's only 20 people you know, who could fit right. into this room. So uh, it's it's clever in that it's making a small protest seem much larger than it is. And, of course, you know, it's being helped along by Fox News, and, and, you know, as if it, it, you know, is about to take down the Canadian government or something. But, Ingrid, uh, really appreciate your insight on this today. Thanks for calling in.
All right. Let me go to uh, – wait, did I did I screw that up? One of these days I'm going to learn how to use these phones. Uh, 818-985-KPFK. Don't laugh at me, Baca. I see what you're – let me go to uh, – where am I here? George in uh, in Los Angeles. Hey, George. Oh, George? George, can you hear me? George, I could hear you. I know it's not my phone. Okay. George, okay, I'm going to have – hear me, I can't hear you. Okay, I'm going to put you back on hold, George. We're going to try to figure out what is our phone problem as usual. Let me go to, um, does that put him on hold? There we go. Let me go to uh, Steve. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Steve in Santa Barbara. Hey, Steve, welcome to the broadcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brad. Uh, to understand this Ukrainian thing, you got to look at the uh, long picture because that's the one that's been cooking for a uh, couple centuries, really. Yeah. The uh, the Americans were negotiating, at least through the second half of World War II, with German aristocracy and German militarists to put together a Hitlerless coalition for Germany and the Western world. Uh huh. The target. The target that's always been, is Eurasia. Okay. When when Bush, uh, the first, so to speak, uh-huh. um, issued that uh, uh, U.S. Pentagon policy planning document the day after the Soviet Union collapsed, what they're looking for is a Christian West uh, mm. that would include Russia if it chose to. Okay. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Hey, Brad, I... hold on. They're, they're <laughs> setting up the coalition to deal with competition from China. That The Ukrainian thing hinges on getting the Azov Battalion, which is the succeeding generation of the fascists in Ukraine uh-huh. get those guys into power. Okay. And that's the broad context. There's more to it, but simply that's it. All right. I appreciate that, Steve. And I know there there may be more to it, but we only got an hour-long show. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, George, uh, call back. We, uh, Desi says to tell you, uh, call back. Uh, you couldn't hear her. I couldn't hear you. I, I'm wondering if he muted his phone or something like that. 818-985-KPFK. Uh, one more quick call, and then we'll go to a break and come back for more if I get the phones right. Hey, Mike in L.A. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. What you got? Hey, I completely deny any possibility that the Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg or the FSB have anything to do with a Canadian trucker organization. Are you sure? However, Are you sure? Yeah, go ahead. I had a, I had a dream last night, yes. Uh-huh. But in terms of Putin and what he's been doing, it occurs to me possible that part of it may have uh, involved leading off uh, pressure from his own right wing internally, but even more clear to me is that as long as he's threatening the world uh, oil markets, his net worth is much, much higher than Mm. if he were not. 
because during this threat, the prices are skyrocketing, which means Putin is doing very well, which means uh, that would, by the way, would that give him a reason to not invade Ukraine because they would end up losing, uh, potentially losing uh, you know, access to Germany and that pipeline? Or is that invasion just going to send up uh, oil energy prices, oil and gas prices so much more that it would be worth it for him in the end? Yeah, your crystal ball is as good as mine. <laughs> I know. I would, hope, I would hope he'd be sane enough to not follow through with an invasion. But as for the truckers, I have a modest proposal, yeah. which is that we form a COVID cadaver corps and each of these persons who is so adamant that their immune system is much better protection against COVID than uh-huh. uh, an inoculation, uh-huh. they'd be conscripted to join a corps which would relieve pressure on healthcare people by providing the people who would take care of each of the COVID deaths. You know, at present, every time somebody dies, it takes up a registered nurse who could be taking care of living patients. Right and orderlies and other personnel just to get rid of And I think every one of these people who is so strongly believer in what they claim to believe in would be happy to take a paid job where they could just go bury the dead. Go move a body that has just died from COVID. I got you, Mike. Grim gallows humor which is always welcome here on the broadcast. Thank you, brother. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's take a quick break here. 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the broadcast. Five major corporations now own over 80% of all media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Your support helps us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations across the country. You can make a real difference by supporting independent media. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. Join us at Brad bradblog.com slash donate. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. James Brown. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, 818-985-5735. We are trying to make sense of what is going on in Russia, Ukraine, what is going on in Canada with the truckers and their dumb protests against, uh, uh, you know, safe COVID shots to save their lives. 818-985-5735. Let me go to, uh, there we go, Matt in Santa Maria. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to be brief because I know you have a lot of callers, but what I will do is refer to another show on our beloved KPFK mm-hmm. that is on every Sunday called Anti-War Radio, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're familiar with it. Yes. And, you know, there's amazing scholars and boots on the ground and all that every week. And there's a lot of very compelling evidence that's stating that no, this is this is not going to happen. Russia is not planning this. 
there's, you know, why would it a number of, I'm not even going to try and go into. And I don't disagree with you, Matt, but let me ask you this. Why uh, is he moving 130,000 troops to the border? You know, this, I don't there's, they do operations every year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 you know, out in the sea and on right. land. And I, you know, I'm I, not there. Yeah, and I don't think they uh, normally put that many troops on all three sides uh, of, well, you know, to the north, to the east, and to the south of the country. But I hope you're right, Matt. I do. Uh, yeah, I, I do invite you to listen to, especially yesterday, Scott Horton's. Um, uh, mm-hmm. interview on KBSK and uh, yeah I mean I love the station because there are conflicting or you know mm-hmm. um, pundits or you know uh, people and, and and you know I give you tons of credit for everything and I'm not trying to diss you no but, no it's okay um, yeah. Okay. I, I, no, Thank it's you. okay. I I I think everyone is is best guessing it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, which is why I, you know, figure. Well, you know what? Let's open it up to our callers and let them best guess it, because I don't think anyone knows what's actually going on here. Uh, uh, did George call back? He did. Let me see if I can get him get it right this time. Hey, George, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Yeah, hello, sir. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, who can keep tabs on this surrealistic exercise and extrasensualism, but. The latest thing on the news, KNX, you know, twenty-four hour news station. The mm-hmm. latest thing, I kid you not, is the president of, of Ukraine says, "I was just joking," when he said that the invasion day is February sixteenth, Wednesday. Yeah, you yeah, know, I, I know. Yeah. Now, now he says he was joking. By the way, uh, Zelensky used to be a comedian, an actual comedian. Oh my god! Oh yeah. my god! That, that, there we go. Yeah. So you know, uh, well, that's what I mean. How all of this is insane. Nobody knows what's what. Now that said, uh, there were reports elsewhere from other sources that the U.S. has been telling other countries and its embassies that uh, Wednesday, February 16, I don't know if they've said he is going to invade on that day as much as uh, he uh, that Russia could invade. They will be ready to invade as of Wednesday, uh, February 16. Um, so Zelensky is not the only one quoting that date. I think when uh, Zelensky said uh, something like the day of the attack will be February 16, he might have been trying to be wry. But if I'm the president of the country, that's a really bad joke to make, it seems to me. Put it lightly. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, George. I just thought people yeah. needed to have that up, that uh, that uh, that insight on it. Okay. Thanks. I, no, I really appreciate that. Thank you, because it is really hard to keep up with uh, all of this. Really hard. Uh, not to mention which part of it is true, which part of it is false, etc. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Let me go to uh, where am I here? Um, there we go. Sh- uh, Sheehan somewhere. We don't even have where it is. Hey, hey, Sheehan, welcome to the uh, broadcast. Very quickly. Thank you. Thank you. I'm in Los Angeles, and I just wanted to say that if you're going to talk about the Freedom Convoy, you should stop calling it a dumb convoy and actually talk about their demands, which is to have forced injections, forced vaccinations, taken taken away that mandate, taken away, uh-huh. and instead of calling it dumb, actually bring on someone to talk about what their demands are 
and uh, give well, we know. Well, we know what the we know what the initial demand is. A lot of them have changed since. The initial demand is they're against the mandatory uh, 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 vaccination uh, requirement for truckers. I understand that, and they're protesting against that. Ninety percent of truckers are already vaxxed. Uh, some of them are against it. I think it's dumb. Well, I just think that that's kind of a sloppy way to continually report it. I mean, it's okay to joke around a little bit, but um, the fact is you keep on referring to it as protesting life-saving vaccines. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. how you refer to it a second ago. Correct. You didn't mention the fact that it was protesting mandates of the vaccines. And as a lifelong KPFK listener Mm -hmm. and as a quote-unquote far leftist, I think we should absolutely be hearing out people who don't want forced vaccines. Okay. Well, I, I know that we've heard uh, quite a few of them here on KPFK. It sounds like you might be against it. That's fine. Why are you against Are you vaccinated, by the way? Uh, no. Why not? No, I'm not. Why not? Uh, well, there's a huge range of, um, of outcomes between people of different ages, and I'm relatively young, and also I believe that I had COVID pretty bad in uh, January 2020 before it hit, um, uh-huh. and that certainly gives me some indication that not only do I have um, acquired immunity from that, but also the fact that that gives me some information as to how likely I'd be to have a right. severe reaction to it this time. Very good. She- makes- yeah. Yeah. Go, I'm, I'm sorry, only because i got to get out here. Uh, I appreciate your call. I hope you stay safe. Those antibodies don't last forever as I read the science. Uh, so be careful out there, Sheehan. Thank you for that call very quickly because he's so good at doing this quickly. Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Mo. Oh. Recognition of Black History Month. Remember what Dr. King says. The greatest purveyor of war is my own government. Thank that- you. Thank you, Mo. Good to hear from you, my friend. Good to hear from all of you. Thank you. Sorry I could not get to everyone. We will try again at the next uh, available opportunity. My thanks to our producer, as always, Desi Doyen, to our board operator today, Gary Baca. Well done, Gary. Thank you, sir. And to all of you for spending a portion of our day, your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I I am the Brad blog. I'll see you there until we see you here. Hopefully tomorrow on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world.